Diz Life Podcast is brought to you by Pinch of Pixie Dust Travel. People who love Disney understand that life isn't about the breaths you take, it's about the moments that take your breath away. That's why we help coordinate the most magical adventures for you and your family. Disney, Universal, Sandals, Norwegian, Carnival, and more, we are a full-service concierge travel agency that will help with every aspect of your journey. Let us take care of the details while you enjoy your family. Get a quote today by calling us at 570-832-7798 or fill out a trip request form at pinchapixiedusttravel.com. Just follow the second start of the right straight on to your adventure. That's pinchapixiedusttravel.com, where you're making memories one trip at a time. Stop walking while I'm squawking. Caramba, we have something really big for you today. And now, the show that has the whole town cooking. Welcome, foolish mortals. Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Diz Life Podcast. My name is Mark Valentine, and I am the host of Diz Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining our show and our network. Thank you for making it a part of your Disney lives. And don't forget, you can catch all of our episodes at DizLifePodcast.com. While you're there, smash the subscribe button on Apple. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Podchaser. You can review on Spotify now, too. Connect with us on Instagram at Dislife Podcast. I'm over on TikTok at Dislife Podcast. And join our Facebook group by just typing in Living Our Best Disney Life. We have a new Facebook group over there. Fan of the show, consider becoming one of our incredible patrons. Show support by going to patreon.com slash Dislife Podcast. Our Patreons have access to bonus content, special VIP live streams, and much, much more. But thank you to our Patreons. We love your support and thank you for everything that you do. We have an incredible show for you today. Our friend Chris Bond is joining us. We call him Bondo is joining us from We Like Theme Parks. Bondo is going to be talking about his 10 favorite rides from around the world all of the parks of Walt Disney World, he's going to be giving us his top 10. But of course, as we always do, we're going to get to know his Disney life. We have some questions for him about his incredible podcast, and we're going to fan out over the greatest IP in the history of Disney stable, Tron. Without any further ado... Bondo, welcome to the Tiki Room Studio, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, Mark, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me, my friend. It's uh, finally on the Diz Life. Finally. <laughs> the, yes, I'm a made man. I made it. It's finally, The Rock has come back. Come back, yes. To Diz Life. Ah! This so, is the best. Yeah, well, listen, I, I, can, I, can I just start? That go ahead. intro yeah. gave me goosebumps. Like, I, I, I was pretending I had a disc kind of just floating into my hands. It was a beautiful <laughs> tribute. <laughs> end of line my friend end of end line, of line. Yep. <laughs> so i listen we're gonna get we're gonna get to that we have to do that when i 
saw that you vibed on Tron as much as I did, I I was like, did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> I was yep, like, no yep. one likes Tron. No one likes Tron. I watched Legacy today and I texted mm-hmm. you. I'm like, dude, I'm watching Legacy right now. I yep, love it yep. so much. You're doing some show prep. I like that. I, I really did. <laughs> so I want to say again, what a gracious host you guys were over there. So I am, I'm really a convert and I have to be honest. I'm, I'm a convert. I met you guys. I was on your show. I was on, we like theme parks. You guys had me on the rides bracket for the March madness ride bracket. Yes. You and all you and I also had a chance to hang out on around the magic and yeah. you know, that that's where we, you and I first connected. Miriam was on a trip. So I filled in for Miriam and then, you know, we just hit it off. I, I really love, and I have to say, so for those people that if you're a Dislifer and you have not yet subscribed to and downloaded everywhere you can find your podcast, I'm telling you this right now, go over to your, your nearest podcast app. You can hit the pause button right now. Go and subscribe to We Like Theme Parks. These guys are absolutely killing it. It's unique oh. radio. It's fun. It's Disney loving, but they have a great chemistry. The three of them are absolutely hysterical. It was so fun, dude. And again, thank you for welcoming me into that ecosystem for a day. I have not had that much fun in a really long time. It meant a lot to me. And I, and I said to you, I got to get you back here on Dislife ASAP. Well, dude, I, you, first of all, you were awesome on the show. And when we hung out on around the magic, me and Miriam were like, that guy's awesome. We got to hang out with that guy. So right away when we were building uh, March madness, the ride, which by the way, uh, our ne- next week is our finale. It's our final four episode. Uh, we, we wanted somebody who was really knowledgeable and really fun. And you were the guy and look, it's not, it was a ton of work, 32 matchups, <laughs> 64 rides. And you had to comment on each and every one. It was a Herculean task and you were ready to go, my man. So it was fantastic. I really appreciated having you come on the show and uh, I'm happy to be, I'm thrilled that you asked me to come here and dork out about Tron and talk about the best rides in the whole world of Disney. So it's exciting. Yeah. And absolutely. The cool thing was we had to be like really concise. So we had to do all of those rides in an itty bitty teeny living space and get through that whole bracket and still managed to say something succinct, but, but intelligent enough that we didn't look like it's good. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny. Cause I was like, Oh, the show will be like an hour, an hour and 10, you know, two hours later. I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> you know, but I, but listen, we're passionate about these rides. We had to talk about them. We had to be thorough. We had, we had to debate and listen, we had the audience voting on who they think should win. So it was a, a fun exercise and to do it with people who are knowledgeable and funny makes it even better. And Kevin, that's kind of what we like theme parks is all about. Absolutely. It's, it's more of a comedic approach. We bring on dis nerdy comedians and like, like quirky uh, dis nerds in the community. And we just have a good time. And we come up with a lot of original content. You know, it's not just news or anything like that. Like we do a lot of make them ups. So yeah. uh, we were thrilled to have you, man. Thank you. So the podcast itself, again, for those people the podcast is Mark, Miriam, and then Bondo. They are, they, they say, get your nerd on, laugh your Mickey ears off with We Like Theme Parks. It is really fun. It's lighthearted. I, so many of us, we take ourselves too serious at sometimes, right? We all do. We all have gotten to that sure. point. I, I do. Yeah. I mean, okay. and I, I try to be as jocular as I can 
and just laugh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, it's Disney. Don't be, don't be that serious about it. Like I've listened to some other things and it's like, man, you, you guys are talking about the same place. It's magical. Like, let's laugh. Let's have fun. It's vacation. Let's have a good time. You guys yeah, are man. having a good time. That's all we're about is a good time. Uh, we keep it fun. But I know everyone says, oh, we keep it real fun. But ours is really comedically focused. Yes. Like all of our <laughs> segments are goofy segments uh, or we we turn everything into a competition. You know, we're doing March Madness the Ride. Our Villains League is like these villain fight debates. That's become kind of our like marquee event of the year. Uh, we do the 12 Days of Christmas. We do the special events. We did the World Showcase Showdown to determine what was the best World Showcase Showdown in the world and had all these different people from different World Showcases uh, debating. It's just craziness. And so if you like Disney craziness and silliness, we're the spot for you. Absolutely. So how did the three of you meet? Like go back and what was the genesis of the of the podcast itself? Well, oh, that's, that's a good question. Good question. That's a proper, you know, fact-finding mission. Um, well, it's funny. I'm, I'm sure like a lot of people in this community, it all starts with being a part of the community. Like you're listening to podcasts and you're enjoying them and you, and you realize, you know what? I have an opinion too. I have something I want to say or I have an idea. And I became friendly with a guy named Dustin Foose who used to be a part of a show called the universal joint with Jim Hill. And if you don't know Jim Hill, he's kind of a, like a Disney nerd legend who uh, does stuff with Len Testa over at, uh, Oh, well, he's escaping me right now. Anyway, but that they're a big deal. And it turned out that this guy, Dustin Foos lived on my block. So we started becoming friendly and I had another good friend was Mark Andrada. Who's on our show. And Mark and I, uh, we both work in the arts. He's an actor. I'm a director. We've worked together a bunch of times. And he was a hilarious comedian. And we had always been friendly. But when I found out he was a Disney nerd, double friendly. So we started to hang out and talk about Disney. And so I thought, well, here we got this like Disney brainiac in Dustin and this Disney comedian in Mark. And me, I don't know where I fit in, but why don't we just like talk and let's try doing a show? And everyone felt like it was a good idea. And we focused on the comedy. We focused on comedic editorialization of stuff and coming up with weird events. And and it just kind of worked. And then uh, Miriam ended up coming on and Dustin went on to Greener Pastures. And uh, the show has been really great and successful. And we're almost at three years. Can you believe that? Three wow. years. Wow. Congratulations, man. Yeah. I mean, we are, um, you know, we're coming up on year two, you know, this, this life's community is coming up on year two. And sometimes I reflect on that and think to myself how quickly it went, but man, that that's been a long road, but I see some of these guys have been doing it, you know, 10, 12, 15 years. And I think to myself is like, wow, that's a lot of talking. So (laughs) yeah, I'm going to run it, run out of content. I'm always worried about that. (laughs) I don't know. How many more trivia questions can I write? I mean, we've done a lot of them. Well, you uh, can just, we can do a Tron the series. We can just do. Oh man. We can do so much. We'll just do a whole Tron, uh, a whole Tron segment like every week for the next. And and, and that's a thing because like it's hard to find other Tronies, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to find. We're rare. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like we're hard to like. You don't swing a dead cat and hit a Tron fan. It's just impossible. So more. Yeah. More often than not. Uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to 
say like, oh, I like Tron and people like that bad movie from the 80s. Or like, they don't know it. They're like, oh, there's a thing in Shanghai. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, dude. <laughs> We're the few, the proud. You know what I mean? So, so um, you like yeah. me. You're a pr- proud Disney dad. Yep. You dad out all the time. I absolutely love that. Again, that's when I met, I was like, man, I Bondo. I like this guy. I'm like, he's, Oh, thanks, man. he's got, like he's got too. a really good, he's got a good vibe. But the thing that I loved most of all, again, is your favorite Disney movie is Tron. And I love on the website, it says <laughs> Tron parentheses. Don't roll your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like, well, I, I think you and I are around the same age. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember that time in like the early 80s when v- like having a, a VHS player yes. wasn't common. It wasn't like everybody had a VCR. No. You know what I mean? So I remember we had one. Yep. My dad, I guess, was a shooter or something. We had the we had this big like it was like, I don't know, maybe it was like three feet wide and two feet high. It was Massive monster. Oh my gosh. Massive. And my dad, um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't own these VHI steps. You you would rent them, you know, Mm -hmm. you'd go to the video store and there would be the plastic sticker Velcroed, you know, you'd you'd take them up to the front and they'd give you the thing. And so I would spend time with my dad and all we did was watch movies. And then he wanted to buy some movies because we would travel a bit and he didn't like me watching cartoons but he kind of trusted the Disney brand. Yeah. So in the early eighties, what was there? Tron condor man and the black hole. And those were the three movies I watched kind of over and over again. I remember as a kid, the same thing like VC. So a VCR and I don't, my father was weird. Like we didn't have a lot of money growing up. But my father was like the quintessential early adopter. Like I remember when he came home with the CD player before there were like, there were CDs. Yeah. Right. I mean, my father had whatever the latest tech was. My father had it. So I remember the VCR. And then do you remember the cable boxes growing up as a kid? Like those things that you would have to hit like the plastic button. Oh, Without a doubt, you'd mash those buttons. You'd and, mash yeah, the button. The long wire and, attached to your TV. Yeah. And when it came to a premium channel, like sometimes you could press two buttons down in between and you would yeah. still see it and it would have like jacked up color and whatnot, but you could see it and still get the sound. Or you could see it for like two seconds and then it would switch off. And then it would switch off. So, yeah. some- so you go back and forth and back and forth and back and yep. forth. Yeah. So something <laughs> happened with my grandmother's, with my grandmother's cable Mm-hmm. That my grandmother's cable, they didn't put a switch on it or something. So she got, and I'm not kidding, until they switched over to the system, she got like premium bo- home box office for Sweet. forever, like forever. And they would never call the cable guy because they didn't want the cable guy to rectify whatever the issue was. Of course, never. Yeah. And then when they got a, uh, they got a VCR, dude, my grandmother recorded everything on home box office. We had, yes. we yes. had everything. But so when I tell you, so I had, and I remember it and I wish I still had it just for posterity sake sake. Mm-hmm. We had a VHS that had Indiana Jones and the last crusade, yes. a, a new hope, uh, empire strikes back and Tron. And well, I, what would, else do you need? What else do you need? I, nothing, Mark? nothing. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I remember sitting with the, with the, the, the TV tray 
the metal mm-hmm. TV tray that the two legs like yeah, flailed man. out. It was like it was like kind of like gold, yep. like glass. <laughs> yeah, I had it, man. I had it too. Keep going. <laughs> Sitting there on the living room floor, eating dinner with. Like they'd be like, "Where's Mark? Is he gonna sit at the table and eat?" They're like, "No, he's mesmerized." It was it was like Cable Guy. I learned the facts of life from the facts of life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, I just remember vividly those large plastic cases that that those early like eighties yes. Disney movies would come in, and it was like the Fort Knox of like security yeah. for your like VHS tape and. There was something about Tron that Tron didn't look like anything I'd ever seen before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, yes. The the light cycle sequence was the first ever real use of CGI. Yeah. And so this was a pioneering film. As a kid, I don't realize this. I just go, that is so cool. Like I'm like tripping out because these m- motorcycles, these computer motorcycles are crazy. But the world, just the aesthetic, like the blue LED lights and all that. I don't know. It was just mesmerizing. It just looked so much more interesting than a Star Wars or a Star Trek or anything. And that was it for me. And I just, I wanted to be a part of it. Now, as a kid, you know, you could argue that the story is a little up in the air, but I, you know, I didn't care. I was a kid. I had a story, Shmori. I got whatever, like look at the light bikes and they're throwing Frisbees and it's amazing. Well, contemporary, Um, yeah. Contemporaries at the time, the, the jargon of the film was so unique and it was so different. I mean, you have to remember, so this is 1982. Yeah. Like people did the personal computer hadn't even, hadn't even started to like become a part of the American landscape. It wasn't like the, so the terminology that's in this movie was so revolutionary for 1982 that a lot mm-hmm. of people like contemporary said the movie's visually stunning and whatnot. However, the story is, you know, impossible, if not, you know, like downright non-existent, but it's hard to follow. But when you go back, like if you have even the slightest bit of techie background and you go back now, and I remember this happened to me at like maybe 14 or 15, like when I'm playing Wolfenstein 3d and getting into DOS text, right. And I'm getting into DOS text and starting to learn like about, you know, computer and, and computer speak. I remember I went back and watched Tron maybe in my early teens and went mind blown going. Yeah. And that makes stuff, so much and, sense. And, now. And, and, and that terminologies are not make them ups. No, like that is a part of like computer technology from the eighties. And it was on point. Like it was, it was very sophisticated. And I think because it was so sophisticated, it was just ahead of its time. Yeah. People didn't get it. It didn't resonate, but man, it was visually stunning. And that was kind of like, this was, I mean, listen, Tron happened because Disney wanted to compete with Star Wars. People forget that. It was a direct competition. That and Black Hole. Yep. We're like, we want that Star Wars money. What do we got? The electronic man? Let's do it. Right? And the casting is so good. Jeff Bridges, who's now become a Hollywood icon. But I mean, Jeff Bridges is Kevin Flynn is just pitch perfect in the movie. I love it. Bruce Boxleiter is Alan doubles yeah. as Tron. I love the fact that we get Tron in, in the second movie too, at least in the real world, we get to see Tron again in the real world. We get Alan yeah. again, but mm-hmm. dude, the movie was stolen for me by David Warner, Ed Dillinger oh, stock. I mean, come on, you need a villain. 
Um, and I mean, Star Wars, the beauty of Star Wars was it's, you know, black hat, white hat. So you needed that weighted villain. And listen, Sark, I mean, this dude is like a Shakespearean, like uh, trained. You can feel the weight and the, and the, just the depth. Uh, and uh, there was just so much stakes and everything he said emotionally in this really quirky computer world. Yeah. And, you know, contrasting, you know, Bruce Boxleitner was just like, you know, square jawed, you know, handsome and could deliver with, with some panache. But I mean, Sark waits the whole thing. Um, and, but, you know, I, I, I don't sleep on Ram. Don't sleep on Yuri. Like yeah. everybody brings something to the table here. Uh, it's a, it's a great ensemble. And every, every little, every little person that walks into this world, Every scene looks different. They bring something new. There's new colors. There's new textures. Um, the world, it starts and it's very linear and then it becomes very cylindrical. Like it is gorgeous. It's a People gorgeous forget movie. about mm-hmm. the beauty, like how enchanting this movie is. Uh, and you go back and listen, if listen, if you listen to We Like Theme Parks, you've heard me bellow about this. Now, usually I'm the funny guy, but we're talking about Tron. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, my heart is pouring out. Like when people watch Tron back then, you didn't realize that people were going to borrow this aesthetic for the next 50 years Yeah, because that's what they're doing. This aesthetic is a modern aesthetic and you got it in 82. How crazy is that? Um, it's just beautiful. The whole thing is a symphony. Well, Shouldn't be- when we, so I'm going to have you back. I'm going to have you back. I want to do, I want to do a a Tron episode and not just Tron, but legacy as well. Like I want to do a full on. So we do like film reviews. I've done like Bruno and whatever, but we, I want to do a new series called the film vault, the Disney vault. And I want to pull stuff out of the vault. Tron's going to come out, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to get into this, but people sleep on the, the soundtrack of the original film yeah, and the, the music of the original, I mean, everyone knows Daft Punk. I mean, there it's basically legacy is like a two hour Daft Punk mm-hmm. album. I mean, the whole thing is just brilliant. It's amazing. If you love electro and you love techno music, it's, it, it's on point, but the original film and the original score is so underappreciated. I mean, everyone knows the theme, but even, um, I remember when they're, when they're on the, and they're on the grid and they're making their way towards master control and the spider bots are coming to me, like still in my head, it's like some people remember like the, the, the music of the trench run or some people remember the asteroid field in empire strikes back. I remember the musical interlude as the spider bots start to take off. And I just remember thinking to myself musically, I'm like, there's nothing else happening like this. The, the whole, like, the whole motif in the movie was just, it was so well done. Everything was so well put together. Well, I think you nailed it though. Like, I don't think that music really even existed. Like there wasn't a genre of like electronica, like really in the kind of the forefront of public consciousness yet. No. And when Wendy Carlos is the composer and she just created something that you're, you're in a world that you've never seen before. Cause in 1982, you've never been inside a computer. You better even seen a computer, probably. You probably couldn't afford one. And now you're thrusted into the world of this computer. And she, you know, synthesizers were really were were hot and on vogue. And she w- made her it a very industrial sounding synth sounds. 
Um, and it just worked Mm -hmm. and it made me feel like, yeah, that's a computer, that's computer music. That's what it sounds like in there. It's just, it's just incredible. And to have that kind of bridge to legacy where electronica does exist and Daft Punk are the kings of this kind of uh, flavor of sound. It's just, it's a seamless bridge. And the, I mean, the music for both films, tremendous, but I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I don't want to just skip the legacy here because I know you got a vault show that we have to prep for, <laughs> but what people, a lot of people, I'll be like, man, I love Tron. And they're like, what? I don't know Tron. I'm like, Tron, man. Like, Tron. Oh, the, the Daft Punk, the Daft Punk. Oh, thing. daggers. People know Daft Punk and they know the music, but they, they could care less about legacy. And I, I just want to punch them in the face, you know? Yeah. So before to the audience too, before we go into like an absolute deep dive into Tron, <laughs> I had to, again, I'm a Tronny. It's not often that you find a fellow Tronny in the world, let alone have one on your show and on your podcast. So thank you, Dislifers, for indulging us. But listen, we've got to get into the meat and potatoes. We've got to get into it. I, it. I, 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 want, I don't want to get into the next question and talk Tron rides or whatever, because we have a mission to do. We're here today to count down the We Like Theme Parks official top 10 rides in the world, (laughs) not just (laughs) Disney World, in the world of Disney. And so I listen, you don't get more official than that. If you want a a definitive list, it's got to come from We Like Theme Parks. It's in the name, ladies and gentlemen. Other, (laughs) Other people can pretend that that's an official top 10, but we are posers like even Dwayne and I, Dwayne and I had our list. We're posers compared to this. This is the this is the bona fide list, and wow. Bondo's giving it to us from <laughs> no ten to number one. I'm gonna all listen. Right. Here's what I'm gonna do. All right. I'm just. I, I didn't prepare a list. This is all about you today, baby. This is all about Ooh, you. That's how I like it. Yeah. So yeah. we're we're gonna you're gonna give me the list. If I've got any follow up questions or you know some uh, you know some some comments and whatnot, I, 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 listen. I can talk. I'll definitely interject. Well, I can interject, please. but it's please. all about you. And be, your, and, and be honest, man. Like if you're like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> well, let's discuss, but I'll say this much if I may, because you say this is the official, we like theme parks list. This is the official Bondo. List, Bondo. Thank you, know, you. I don't want to, cause I, I know Miriam and Mark would be like, what? No, but this list I, I would say has been uh, kind of curated from what I think is important, and that is technology, storytelling. And I've left a lot of the, like, iconicness off to the side. What are the best rides? Not one of the most iconic, because there's a lot of great – you could say the um, – what's a good example? Carousel of Progress is an incredibly iconic attraction. Is it one of the best? Put your honesty hat on. No. <laughs> thank, thank you. Right? So we all love Carousel of Progress. We all love it. I love it. I love Spaceship Earth. I love it. Is it the best? Mm, you. So let's live in that world today, okay? And With just our honesty, as an open invite to Miriam, because if Miriam, if you're listening to this right now, as an open invite, I would love to have the Miriam version as well. I would oh, really boy. love to get at some point, I'd love to get all all of you guys in but wow. we, I, I would love to get the, the crew in and make it a little bit of a zoo environment in here. That would be really fun. 
But um, you did, and I want to say this too, Bondo came on in a pinch. Um, he knew that I had a little bit of a scheduling crunch and I needed to get something in. So that's the other thing, man. I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for coming on. But we've got to get the rest of the crew here. So here is the top 10 official rides according to Bondo. Bondo, number 10, man. Hit me. All right. Let me go with number 10. And, I, and again, I, I want to say that I have traveled to Tokyo. I've traveled to Paris. I have not been to the China parks. Uh, is on the bucket list, but I'm pretty versed in all this stuff. I, I'm very interested in attractions internationally, um, you know, as well as going to obviously the both the parks in the U.S. Um, and I'm going to tell you again: these are these are bondos. So don't at me, all right? Or just at me, whatever. whatever. <laughs> it makes it like, more fun I, when they you at you. <laughs> Fine, at me. Okay, number ten. Here we go. Is the Tower of Terror. High Tower Hotel from Tokyo Disney Sea. Now, the Tower of Terror is an attraction that is near and dear to so many people's hearts. But I'm just going to level with you. The one in Tokyo is the best. It has the best story. It has. Oh, I felt like you were going to jump right in there. No, but, I was but, just going to say, yeah. okay. Well, I was just going to jump in and say, but why? Because right. it's the same ride mechanic. So one would think that. It would it would be very similar that, you know, what it, is it that much more unique or is it that much more different? What is it about that ride or that version of it that makes it tower, pun intended, over the others? <laughs> I like it. Uh, well, and here's the thing, and this is why this is a Bondo list, because storytelling is huge for me. And I will grant that the obviously the Orlando Tower of Terror has the most advanced version as far as ride time like you're going to go up the tower you're going to shoo down the corridor before you drop whereas the all the other towers around the world are kind of cookie cutter the up down towers right they don't do the through the corridor bit um so tower of terror high tower hotel is the same but they're the hotel itself is just so much more stunning than the rest of the hotels it is not themed that it's a burned down old like like wretched hotel it is it is majestic and beautiful and you go inside and all the theming on the way in is all the storytelling about uh henry mystic sorry not henry mystic what am i talking about about harrison hightower from the society of explorers and adventurers uh how he came to own this hotel his role in the, with the society which again is a huge kind of planted flag over at tokyo disney, disney sea and you're exploring all that, and then you learn about the Shariki Utundu and what Harrison Hightower did. And then there's this incredible pre-show. And I don't know if I want to, like, you know, give give away. Yeah. Like, open the, sure, yeah, we definitely have, want to because we've got we've to wet – our audience's appetite. We've got to wet their appetite so that they get wanderlust and want to fly okay. over and, and do this thing. Well, like, I'm going to stop you right there. Do it. Fly there. Without a doubt, because Tokyo Disney Sea is the best park in the world. And if you're a true Disney fan and you want the best, that park is the best. Better than Magic Kingdom, better than any park you can think of, better than Shanghai, Tokyo Disney Sea. Why? Because it has the most money. It's owned by the Oriental Land Company. They basically said, Hey, Disney, um, what's the best stuff you got? We'll pay for it. And they went, Okay, here you go. They gave them all the best ideas, all the most innovative stuff because they could afford it. And not, that's not necessarily the case stateside with these parks. So anyway, 
what this ride has, it has a pre-show that is out of this world where you're going to meet if I recall, there's like a stained glass window and there's some storytelling with the stained glass window. And then this, this Shriki Utundu, which is this like monkey statue appears and disappears before your eyes. And it's like stage magic. So it's just this incredible pre-show before you load into the elevator. Whereas, you know, the standard tower terror, you get in that little room, they turn off the lights. Me, 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 me. I mean, that's fine. But this is next level storytelling. And then the events of the actual drop tower itself make way more sense. Just way more sense. It's cursed by this by this freaky doll. Uh, Harrison Hightower bites it. You're going around for the Harrison Hightower experience. Will you survive? You got to get on and see, if you will. I like it. It's a triumph. It's a triumph. And, it's, and it is the best tower bar None. And Miriam Kenley will argue that um, <laughs> that Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout is the best Tower of Terror. Um, but I, for my money, it is uh, the High Tower Hotel. And if listen, if you're like me, you like C, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, and anything that that kind of supports that whole IP, which is gonna it's gonna blow up, friends. Disney Plus is gonna have a show pretty soon. They're already rooting more and more of sea in all the rides in the parks, whether it's uh, Big Thunder or the Jungle Cruise, the Skipper Canteen. It's happening. You might as well jump in because it's the biggest and most exciting IP that's being developed in the Magic Kingdom. Not not a Star Wars or a Marvel. It's something original. Remember original stuff? Yes. That's the best stuff. Yes. And the person who's going to at you is going to be Miriam with this entire list. So when he says, yeah. don't at me, it's going to be the, the at is going to come from Miriam. So just say, yeah, but much, we use yeah. just to give you an idea, ladies and gentlemen, we're at number 10 and we've already used the word triumph. So if that doesn't give you an idea <laughs> of the amazing stuff that is in store, we just started and the word triumph has already been thrown out. So I can't wait mm-hmm. to get to number nine. If 10 is a triumph. <laughs> Number nine. number nine, number nine is my Homer pick. And that is from the Shanghai park. And that is the Tron power run, which is obviously for personal reasons. I'm very excited about. We're all excited about it coming stateside. But what this does is we have to remember that Tomorrowland exists, but truthfully Tomorrowland is eh, not so great in my view. Mark, do you agree? Um, I concur. <laughs> it's, it doesn't seem like the land of tomorrow anymore. It seems like the land of 1978. Right. It's stuck. It doesn't know what it is. Is it this kind of forever, like the future from the past, or is it the future? Well, if you go to Shanghai, the experience has this Tron aesthetic. It is the future. Um, and this is what Tomorrowland will be. And my hope is that when it comes stateside to the Magic Kingdom, that I'm hopeful that that aesthetic will take over the land and really will have that true Tomorrowland of the future. So a big part of it is that, is the aesthetic is revolutionizing Tomorrowland. But also, we're talking about one of the coolest ride vehicle coasters you've ever seen. You're riding the light cycle itself. Yeah. You're on the grid. You're outside. You're inside. Um the projection technology, it's all first rate, and you get thrusted into the world. The pre-show is amazing, um, and just the look and feel of it is so cool. The music, 
And that launch, it's a pretty crazy launch. So I am pumped for this ride. It just looks like what rides should look like in Tomorrowland. And I feel like it's going to be the savior of Tomorrowland. And that's why it ranks so high on my list. You could just say, yeah, it's it's a coaster. No. But this is a special coaster that's going to revolutionize a land. So I am just chomping at the bit. This thing needs to be done. I mean, please, 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 Disney, like get this thing done. Every time I'm on the Tomorrowland Transit Authority people mover, I'm looking over at that thing and like I'm drooling. I'm drooling as I'm on the the people mover looking over at this thing, just saying, when is it going to be completed? Right. Like I'm very happy that, yeah, we're getting Guardians supposedly on Monday of this week. We're supposed to get the final uh, the the details on the uh, annual pass holder preview and the DVC preview. And mm-hmm. it looks like right now, at least on my Disney experience, it looks like it's going to be Memorial Day and the preview is going to be the few weeks prior to. So like that's, you know what? It's that's satiating me. But, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but I need Tron, dude. I need Tron for well, obvious reasons. It. And it's being teased every time you're in Tomorrowland. And like you see the signs, you roll by it on the on the carousel, sorry, on the carousel, but on the people mover yep. and Man, like you're just like it should be ready by now. They've been doing this thing for how long? Like I know it feels like for forever. And the, and when you put it into perspective, the Velocicoaster started later and opened earlier, and it's done. I mean, it's done and and has been operating for a while. I do like the Velocicoaster. I know you guys. We're not we're not here to do Universal today. <laughs> um, yeah. But that Velocicoaster is pretty incredible. I it it's a fun ride. I think it's incredible for for thrills. Yes. And fun. But what it doesn't have is storytelling or theming. And that's what this Tron coaster is going to really get you into. And that's why I think there's just more to it, you know, I mean, than this regular thrill coaster. There's no, yeah, yeah. Point. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's like no, people are like, yeah. people aren't like, wow, man, the dinosaurs on that. No, man. They were like the thrills, like the, the sailing over top, upside down over the lake, the, the top hat, you know, it's crazy. Listen, you can just go on a regular coaster. Friends. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's I want no, dinos yeah. on my, co- if there isn't a dinosaur sitting beside me in that ride, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> you're, dude, you're spot on. You're so right. Right. Come on. You're I'm so saying. right. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey guys, we're not going, we're not going to the place that shall be named. I apologize. I've been doing this re- recently where I will go to the park that shall not be named. And they're like, Hey, it's Diz life. Valentine, get, get your head out the gutter. Universal's yeah. okay too, guys. All right. But we're moving on. <laughs> Number eight on Bondo's list of best rides around the world. Okay. Let's talk a little Haunted Mansion here. And that's not what I'm picking. I love the Haunted Mansion. Everybody loves the Haunted Mansion. But unfortunately, if you live in the U.S., there are better Haunted Mansions overseas. And I'm going to start with this one. Phantom Manor is my number eight. Phantom Manor is the haunted mansion turned upside down. It doesn't exist in new Orleans square. It doesn't exist in Liberty uh, square. It exists in thunder Mesa. So this is a new land, which kind of encapsulates encapsulates. I'm saying the word wrong frontier land. Um, And basically you have cowboys in uh, the haunted mansion. It's crazy. It's weird, but it works and it's incredible. Um, there's a brand new score in it by Danny Elfman. They they take Grim Grim and Ghosts and just make it so much more tantalizing. And there's actually a story in it. There's a story about 
the Phantom, the owner of the, the, the Haunted Mansion, and his daughter was supposed to marry, and the father didn't approve, and stuff goes down, and people die. And listen, there's actually a story. On the actual Haunted Mansions stateside, there are fragments of stories that you have to piece together, or this is a linear story for you to follow uh, from the time you get on the ride until the time you leave. And it's on the top of a hill. It is more imposing and scary than any version I've seen. It is so much more romantic with the music. The, the bride is the central figure in this, in this house. It is just better. It is just better all the way around. It's newer. It's got more advanced technology and it's just far more beautiful Listen, listen to the Parisians, no romance, baby. And they don't miss a beat here. Phantom Manor is number eight on my list. All right. So um, kind of a kind of a side question, really um, related question. Why can't we get some kind of overlay here on the East Coast? It's a very easy to answer question because people on the East Coast come for vacations, whereas West Coast, that park is dominated by pass holders. So the pass holders want something different. Whereas the people coming on the East Coast, they're there for vacation. They want the Haunted Mansion. They don't want to see the Haunted Mansion that's there for Christmas. And that's why. That's why, quite frankly, I mean, it would be great. great. People people who live in Orlando are like, give me me an overlay. You have to remember, people like me come down from Canada once or twice a year. I want to see the mansion the way it's meant to be. So, wow, dude, you have, okay. You've changed my, you've completely and totally changed my mind on that. Like well, I was, I was about to, is, yeah, I was about to get a little surly. Like I, like you could see, I was about to like start put pulling out a pitchfork and getting, yep. you're like, Hey man, like, I'm going to tell you like pretty, pretty basically this is why. And now that makes so much sense to me. If I'm traveling thousands of miles from Europe, I don't want to see an overlay I want to see the haunted mansion as it's supposed to be presented, but you could say that too, of almost all of the different things that like, when people are like, why aren't we getting this, 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 and this it's, that's a global hub. Mm -hmm. People want to see the classics or they want to see what they expect. They don't want to see the variants. Yeah. Well, think about it. When you go on a Disney vacation, your first instinct is, do I go to California or do I go to Florida? There's four parks in Florida. You go to Florida. Like that's where you're going to go for Disney vacation. Whereas I typically, I mean, and again, I'm generalizing, you're going to go to Disney and other stuff when you go to L.A., when you Mm -hmm. go to Anaheim, you know. So there's only two parks. There's only so much to do. There's a limited hotels. So that's kind of and that's and it's also the original park, right? You don't want to mess with the OG too much. You know what I'm saying? So uh, with that said, the people are very close. There's so many pass holders. There's so many locals and. Everything is near and dear. They want something new. They're excited for something. You got to you got to get them back. Yeah. You know, how do we get that person to come back and be and line up and spend the money? It's it's the overlays. Whereas on the east side, man, if I don't get my regular Splash Mountain or my regular, you know, there's going to be a problem. So uh, you spend the money, you got to get it, and it's it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty clear. So yeah, I'm glad to give you some clarity there. Man. I like uh, that, dude. Thank you, thank you so much for that. All right, man, we're trucking. We're doing. We're doing nice work right here. Yeah, Lucky number it. seven for you, Bondo. All right, number seven for me. Uh, I'm going to go back. I've been hanging out overseas, but let me come back stateside. Uh, I got to swing on over to California Adventure, and I've rated Radiator Springs Racers as my number seven. Oh um, man, 
the ride technology, we've seen it on test track. We've seen it on others, uh, but it is gorgeous. The Canyon range that they've built there. Listen, all of the route 66 stuff in cars land is pretty incredible. And it, it's hard to not connect that to the ride. When you walk in that street that leads you uh, down to the, that Canyon range and two radiator Springs racers, it's fast. The storytelling is great. You're seeing all the characters, how they've been able to manage these cars coming to life as animatronics. It's incredible. It's, it's breathtaking, but also thrilling. So it feels like you're on a dark ride, but then a second later, you're not, you're on a thrill coaster. Um, and that's pretty impressive. But people will say, oh, it's just Test Track. Is Test Track that exciting? Is there any story? No, not really. You really want to make a car? It's a commercial for Chevy. Listen, I enjoy it. It's fine. But it's not Radiator Springs Racers. Uh, and this is top-notch and my number seven. I am the most ex- – one of the things that I'm most excited about – we're going in May. And one Amazing. of the m- most exciting things for me – so I – I have two, I have like really two things that like are just at the absolute top of the list. Number one for me is, is radiator Springs and car cars land, just the aesthetic and the vibe of cars land. But second for me, and I'm going to, I'm going to blubber is going to be being just there. And the classic and fantasy land is going to like, it's going to get emotional for me. The Matterhorn seeing the Matterhorn, but then going on, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I haven't been on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in, in decades. Well, um, buddy, I, I, I know what you feel because that listen, Disneyland Park is special. There is something special about being in the original. It has the most attractions. Every little square inch of property is used because there's just no room there's no to room. put anything. So they economize on everything. It is it is so magical. Um, I love people say, Bondo, what's better? East Coast or West Coast? I'm like, you can't compare them. They're totally different. But if you say Disneyland versus Magic Kingdom, Disneyland all day long. Yeah. Plus the food on the West Coast, way superior. I've heard. Yeah. Churros, baby. I, everyone said like, just you're going to you're gonna eat so many churros and you're going to never want to go back ever to the you know churros what? that you get. I don't have a churro fund like Miriam does. But I am a huge advocate of that red wagon, baby. You get that corn dog. It is magical. Uh, last time I was there, I ate one on live on Facebook Live so people could in real time watch me eat a corn dog. It was something real special. And I'm so glad I could share it with all of you. Um, so you got to do that experience, man. The food is bonkers. You're going to have such a great time. I love but yeah, Radiator, Radiator Springs, amazing. I mean, it's beautiful. It's fast. But it gives you a bit of everything, and it's also a ride for everybody, which is also really special. Family-friendly. We like Family, it. Family. love it. We like it. All right, number six. All right, number six. Going back to the east. I haven't, I haven't been to Disney World yet. This is my first time at Disney World on this list with number six. And listen, you just got to leave it out there because it is the technology is so incredible. The concept is so creative, and I'm talking about Flight of Passage. Full disclosure, I throw up on this ride, without a doubt. <laughs> Screens and me do not jive. I got to be so hopped up on Dramamine to get through this thing. There is definitively a break in the middle of this thing where you can take a breath, where, the, where it stops, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I can open my eyes for a second. But that is – it's Ralph City, but it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. The storytelling on it is nuts. Uh, how they're able to come up with a way for you to feel like you're a part of the Avatar experience by becoming a part of Avatar is just brilliant. Like it's so well written. 
And it is just expertly executed with the ride tech being on what you perceive to be the Banshee, feeling it breathe, having it move. And look, you can look to your left and right, and it's soaring, right? You're yeah. Thing. But man, in that moment, it doesn't feel like it. It feels real. They do some beautiful work. And because of that beautiful work, I throw up, but still number six. Number six. All right. I know that I know that we're audio only, but just for the two of us and for the sake of having funds, show me your go-to move in the move around a bit room. I get the double fire hose going, so I get this move going in that room. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay. What do you what do you what's your go-to? I'm more of a stretchy, like, hey, hey. You see me here? (laughs) I like that. You've got like the strut. You know, I'm big, right? So when I move a small distance, I'm still covering a lot of ground. So it's like, hey. And I also, I'm mindful of my like circumference. Yeah. I don't want to like, like, let's say there's a five year old beside me. I'm going to hip check this kid in the head. It's going to be dirty. So I got to be careful. So I'm very mindful in that room. Very mindful. Patreons, you're going to enjoy that clip. Patreons will be getting that clip. You're getting video of that move, Um, but it's, it's good stuff, dude. Sign up today, friends. Sign up today for the (laughs) I Absolutely love it. Dude. Number six. I can't agree more. The first time, the first time you go on that ride, your, your your jaw hits the floor and then you throw up, but your jaw hits the floor going, wow, they've taken immersion and they, they really made me feel a part of, I, I like, I like avatar. It's not Star Wars for me. I do like it. I did see it, like, I think three times in theater with the 3D glasses on. It was something pretty special when it came out. Mm -hmm. But as far as being invested in it as an IP, it's no Tron. It's no Star Wars for me. (laughs) It's no Tron. Yes, that's right. (laughs) It's no Star Wars. No, I agree. I agree. And they had a lot. They had to walk it back. Like, how do you get fans to remember this movie from a zillion years ago? Yeah. And to care. And they, they achieve it. And they it's do the it. Technology is so advanced that you buy in right away. You're like, wow, this is cool. The storytelling in the land, everything reinforces that attraction. It's in and amongst the floating clouds, which are stunning. Mm-hmm. It's the, again, you can't just look at a ride on its own. Sometimes you got to step back and just look at everything surrounding it. That that's a part of you walking into the ride, the storytelling that's done before you get on board, like the onboarding itself, like what, what connects you to the IP so when you have this experience, it's more meaningful. And they just nail it with Flight of Passage. Um, and I even love that five-minute boat ride, too. That's cool. Did I say five minutes? Three-minute boat ride. That's all right, too. <laughs> oh, hey, wah. Oh, hey, wah. Hey, wah. Oh, hey, wah. Yeah, he doesn't it's a banger, that song. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah, that, number five. That, We're halfway there. <laughs> that tune sticks in my head, buddy. All right, here we go. Number five, going back to the West Coast here. Um, Listen, you might say, hey, this attraction's been around a long time. Doesn't matter. There's nothing like it. Indiana Jones is my number five. Um, This attraction is so creative. And again, the technology, you might be like, oh, it's okay. But when it came back out in the, I think I want to say it was the early 90s, like 92, 93. I could be off. Man, there was nothing like it. The, I think it's the EMV is what the vehicle's called, yeah. like the moving vehicle that kind of sways and jives on its own platform as it moves through a track. Incredible. And they went all the way on this thing. There was even like bits and pieces that don't work anymore. There used to be crushed ice that would fall down. So it seemed like rubble was falling. Like the immersive queue where you can, they used to have spikes that the come would come out and the, and the, and the, 
the the ceiling would move down. Now just a little bit of spikes, I think, come out because they were worried someone would they get sued or something. Anyway, the lineup is bonkers. It's the like Olaf. all the way through. Oh look, yeah. I've been impaled. <laughs> it's absolutely right. Yeah, they were a little nervous about that, but there's there's nothing like it. Like all the way in. The, the maraglyphics that you can read, the storytelling on the way in, how they've kind of – Indiana Jones was lost and how they've turned this thing into like a kind of a tourist adventure. It's something else. It's something to behold. And uh, the ride tech itself and being in the temple, uh, looking into the eyes of Mara, originally when it had the three different rooms that would that would switch. I mean anybody who's listening to this podcast knows this ride and loves it. And that's besides the fact that you may or may not love Indiana Jones. Like the ride on itself is just incredible. And I love Indiana Jones. I, so it just yeah, down. I became yeah. a history teacher because of Indiana Jones. Remember VHS tape, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Tron, Indiana right. Jones. I'm like, oh, all right, what am I going to do for a living? Like, realistically, I'm thinking to myself, archaeologist, archaeologist. I, and then I realized, <laughs> but then there's the anxiety with me. I'm like, I realize an archaeologist is probably flying a lot. I'm like, well, he was also Professor Dr. Jones. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can do that. I can teach. And he also is a history teacher. No? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's a, it. Little, a little bit of everything. I was like, I got it. But so, so if you've been on, you haven't been on this ride in forever then, right? No, I haven't been. On, so I, the only thing I get is dinosaur, which is, as many people have told me, is a, you know, what kind of version of it is like a version of it. I highly disagree. Dinosaur is a great ride on its own. Don't connect them together. I realize it's the same like technology. It's the same system. Even, yeah. the, even the ride path is the same, but it is two different stories, two different attractions. You wouldn't even remember because you're in the dark half the time in Dinosaur. Yeah. And you're like, where am I? But the, the, the bummer about Dinosaur, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the bummer with Dinosaur is it used to be amazing. It was really scary and really awesome. And then the thing that happens like at um, you know uh, a lot of scary rides – Someone complains. Some kid went on it when they shouldn't have. They they're upset. Parents complain. All of a sudden, the ride gets changed, and now it's not as good. Bring back old school. I want I want Countdown to Extinction. That ride was incredible. Um, We're not gonna it, make it. We're not gonna make it. Man, it felt like you weren't gonna make it, man. And those. Those asteroids were coming in hot and it was dark and scary. Then they they brought up all the lights and you see it. It's not the same thing. No. It's not the same. So anyway, don't a lot of people kind of dump on dinosaur. It's my it's one of my favorite rides at Disney World, without a doubt. I love it. We have cracked the top five, ladies and gentlemen. We are on to number four of the greatest rides in Walt Disney World around the world with Bondo. Bondo, <laughs> number four. That was a very verbose way of saying it. I apologize. I, I like it. No, I was good. That was that was high. All right, let's swing on over to Shanghai now. Shanghai uh, opened with some pretty incredible attractions, and one of them is the Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for Sunken Treasure. This ride is nuts. Okay. So you like pirates. You're on a boat. You're used to going around the track that it goes on. Well, what if this thing wasn't kind of hampered by this track and it was could actually move sideways or backwards or any which way the boat wants to go? Incredible. A gorgeous blend of projection effects and actually like practical effects. Uh, the animatronics on it are next level. Davy Jones. Uh, insanity. <laughs> You've all the – just the boats and like your 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 literally your little boat goes into big boats. 
it's insane. It is gorgeous. Um, and it's, I like, maybe a lot of hardcore fans don't like this. I like that it's the tale of the films and not the original OG attraction. That Listen, that story is a great story. But again, it's another Haunted Mansion kind of experience where you're trying to connect the dots on pieces of information where this is a proper through line from the characters and the world that you know through the films, which are spectacular. Well, the first three anyway. This technology is groundbreaking. It needs to come to stateside. We need to experience it. But if you can't right now, get to Shanghai and get on this attraction. It's my number four. Yeah, this is like this is that example of that one ride that's just so unique and it's so different that that it entices you to get on that plane and to go. And and again, I'm not listen, I'm not seeing anything bad about the Pirates of the Caribbean that exists over here in Walt Disney World. I have not yet experienced the one in Disneyland, which people tell me is infinitely better than the one that's here on the East Coast because it's longer. It has more scenes. There are two drops on it. But this is what I think those international parks specialize in. It's just a complete reimagining or a reinvention of something that we know. It's Mm -hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean, but done in a way that we say we can only get that there. And that's why I'm going to go to that park. I've seen ride footage of this thing. Man, it's I, I, the ride footage, the ride POVs. I say, how is how is this happening? How are these visuals? They're they're melting my mind to see the way that everything peels back, and I'm going, wow! You want to talk yeah. about innovating something that I thought I knew? And it's like, oh, it's pirates over in Shanghai. Oh no, oh no, it's something completely different. It it will it will melt your mind and yeah you will redefine the way you think of Pirates of the Caribbean because of that ride. And I think that's special. I think that's amazing how I get that, you know, modern Disney wants to reinforce the IP. Yep. Um, so they made this choice. And at first I was like, oh, okay. But then when you see the results with the technology they used, man, spectacular, wouldn't have done it any other way. They slow clap. <laughs> yeah, slow clap indeed. All but right. there's more. There's three more rides. That also deserves even slower claps, perhaps. This is it, ladies and gentlemen, the top three <laughs> best rides in Walt Disney World around the world with Chris Bondo. Number three. All right, number, th- number three, we're going back to Tokyo Disney Sea. You got to go into that. The icon at Tokyo Disney Sea is the volcano, and you're going right inside of it. It's journey to the center of the earth at Tokyo Disney Sea. If you haven't been on this ride, you're like, what is it? Well, it's from the Jules Verne story. And you are going to go in this like Land Rover. I don't know. And you're going to dig down into the, from this volcano down into your score. Um, it, it uses the same radiator Springs racers technology, but it's done in a more dark ride experience where it's, you're tunneling through the ground. You're happening upon crazy weird things, but the most spectacular animatronic in all of Disney, I call them lava Charlie this crazy scary lava monster you have this it attacks you and then you fire out of this uh lava land and you literally shoot out the top of this volcano um at top speed for one of the most thrilling and picturesque moments you've ever had on a ride especially at night when you fire to the top of a volcano and you see all of the beautiful uh tokyo skyline and the water right beside it. it's gorgeous and it's nothing you've ever seen like it. And it's an original story. You have no idea what's going to happen. It's spooky and fast and fun. 
it's journey to the center of the earth and it's it's a reason to get on a plane and go to Tokyo Disney Sea. I want to um on a side note, not really a ride mechanic question or even something like this, but as someone who's experienced Tokyo uh Sea, what are the what are the wait times like in a, in an international park? Is it analogous to something that we are familiar with over in California or or the states? Do do they like really queue them up for something like that? I mean, to be fair, um, when we went, I think we went during the week. <laughs> like, okay. it was pretty, like, I would say it was a standard. Like, none of the rides were ridiculous. Like, and there was still, like, a when I went, there was still, like, a fast pass system that you could okay. get. Similar to the, the one that was on the West Coast, the paper fast passes. Um, and it wasn't bad. It was reasonable. But, I listen, it's a huge park. Like, just the size of it. It's because it, it takes so many people and it's a, it's so many rides in this park, so many lands. It's, a, it's enormous, but I'm sure it gets full. full like, yeah, okay. I'm sure. But when I went, it wasn't bad. Yeah, man. It was, okay. it was great. Yeah. I'm just yeah. curious. Like, that's just a, as, as you're talking, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, with a ride experience that is that innovative and something that's that magnificent, I'm wondering if they, they queue up like we do for like rise of the resistance for like two and a half hours. And it's insane. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's times when that happens, especially during some some holidays and such. But when I was there, man, it was easy breezy. It was nice. like maybe the longest line I, I, I was in was like an hour, maybe an hour and change. Can't hey, complain. We're it was wait, all right. Yeah, we're waiting 50 minutes. We're waiting an hour for Pirates of the Caribbean in, in rush hour over here. Yeah. So I'll take I'll no take an hour. Me. Yeah. Yeah. For like a crazy ride that you've never been on that'll blow your mind. Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yes. All right. I'm ready for the runner up for you bondo what is your second favorite ride in the world all right number two and this is a special one we talk about the haunted mansion everyone loves the haunted mansion friends there are better haunted mansions overseas and mystic manor in hong kong is the paramount of all haunted houses well haunted mansions rather yes uh and it's not a haunted mansion at all it's Obviously, a haunted mansion doesn't jive with like Chinese culture, so they reinvented the wheel, created a whole new land at Hong Kong called Mystic Point, I believe. And again, leaning on the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, this is Henry Mystic's personal museum home, where uh, a mystical piece of antiquity is mistakenly opened by his monkey assistant, Albert, and his entire museum comes to life. It is stunning music by Danny Elfman, a whole new original track. Um, And again, this was one of the, it was, I think the second ever trackless system. Pooh's Honey Hunt in Tokyo Disney Sea was the first. This was the second. And it will simply melt your brain. It is beautiful. It is a story through the whole thing. The connective tissue is amazing it gives you all the bumps and things and and the the gags that you would get from the haunted mansion but just with way better technology way more storytelling and again reinforces this ip of the society of explorers and adventurers which is a big connective tissue between all the the international parks and now coming stateside um this thing is just a a picture the haunted mansion on a, a trackless ride with way better technology and probably it's easier to follow story. Dude, I just love how I love how Disney understands the sense of tradition within the company that they say, if we're going to have a park, 
We have to have a haunted mansion. It's a given. It's a given. And yet they look at the cultural sensitivities and they looked at this cultural hearth and it just doesn't work. Like the concept of ghosts does not fly there for them. It's, it's like so very uncool. And so they say we have to keep our tradition, but yet we also, we also want to be respectful of the people that are our consumers and be respectful of the indigenous, um, traditions and religion, uh, religions, norms, mores, and values. And so they've, kept a haunted mansion but done it in such a revolutionary way that it fits it fits disney's uh the paradigm but at the same time it innovates and it changes things yeah i, I mean basically you gotta hand it to the imagineers the, these guys who they say okay um so how are we gonna do this yeah you know and the guys that like the joe roadies of the world who plug into the connective fabric of like where they're putting this ride and what it's going to mean. And you're watching this Marvel cinematic universe ties together. This is very seamlessly the same with society of explorers and adventurers. Like how can we connect this all together? So it means something, how these characters are a part of a, a bigger entity and they do it and it's incredible and it's smart. And, and at the time when it came out, a technological Marvel, no one had ever seen anything like this. And even now people go, if you're, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's amazing. Like there's been other kind of achievements since. Yeah. Mystic Manor was big time when it came out and it was one of the first, again, I mentioned trackless technology and that kind of melted people's brains when that first happened. So, and take yeah, Bondo. Yes. Take Bondo's word for it. Go and check out a ride, a ride footage. Go check out a ride POV. I'm telling you, you're not going to be disappointed. Because oh. he, this is another one. This is another, even on the ride POV, you're going to go, wow, that is so super creative. I cannot believe how they do this. Amazing. And yeah. yet, and yet as amazing, as revolutionary, as groundbreaking as it is, there is still one ride, Bondo, <laughs> that sits yeah. atop the list of lists for you. Your yeah. number one ride. I can't I wait. Mean, I mean, I think you know what it is because I haven't said it yet, and it's probably everybody's, and that's right back in the good old U.S. of A, baby, and I'm talking about Rise of the Resistance. I mean, come on. It's freaking Star Wars, and it's the freaking greatest. It's trackless technology, but heightened to a level of immersion that is just next level. This isn't a ride. This is three rides almost. Uh, This isn't it doesn't even feel like a ride. It's a happening. It's an experience. Um, it, I mean, it feels a little bit more like a ride now that you wait for in line for two hours before it. But when, when it used to be the reservation system and you just kind of wandered in, man, there really was nothing like it. And uh, they've set the bar so high with this attraction. I mean, I don't need to describe the attraction. You've, you're listening yeah. to this podcast. You've been on Rise. You know how awesome it is. And so be thrilled that the best ride in the entire world is in the U.S. of A. So get out there and enjoy it. The thing about this, again, we're men of a certain age. We grew up with the TV trays. We grew up on the living room floor watching yeah. Star Wars, living Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I was emotional the first time that I rode this because oh, yeah. for a man, a 43-year-old man to live his Star Wars dreams, and that's what this ride is. It's not a ride. There are so many components to it that you are... And, and I am so glad, like, listen, I, I don't want to make this about like 
the, the safety precautions and the face shields and the masks were super important, but they really diminished the theatrical nature of what this ride is and what it has been. And I experienced yeah. it pre COVID and I experienced it during, and I will tell you that when, now that these precautions are starting to lift and now that the cast members are going back to playing a character and to be able to not have to worry about these protective coverings. When you first, like after the briefing, the first time you wrote it and the cast members, like it's almost like they're loading you into the Higgins boat. Like for the, like, yeah. let's go, let's go, let's go move it, move it. Well, it's an escape. They're breaking you out of jail. Yeah. You, you were amped. Like you <laughs> were, yeah, you were yeah. like amped up. I mean, and you know, the Imperial, the Imperial officers that are interrogating you. It's for a star Wars fan. It is a dream come true to be inside of the movie, to live your star Wars adventure. I love this ride. I am so happy that you, and, and I have to be honest, I didn't know. And I said, I don't want to know. I'm, I'm pretty good <laughs> at working on the fly and being able to, to shift and ask questions and whatnot. And I was like, dude, I will be able to shift and ask questions about, I'm not worried about that. I want to purely be surprised and, I am so happy that this is number one. <laughs> you don't even know. I'm so happy to know that I've been on it and it is your number one is rise of the resistance. Makes me feel well, so listen, good. Well, it, I'm, I'm glad I, I, you know, lived up to the task. Um, but listen, man, it's an incredible ride. There's a reason it took so long to make. And it's, I mean, I don't need to tell people about it. Yeah. You've been on it. You know how cool it is. Um, is there rides around the world that are as good? Not yet, but man, they're getting close. And I left a few off the list. Like people might argue that new Beauty and the Beast attraction, which is also a trackless yeah. ride um, over in uh, that's in Tokyo, uh, that this is kind of next level with the transformation, some of the, the effects you're going to see in that. But, you know, it's story, the storytelling didn't hit me. It didn't resonate the same way to me as my 10. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of other great, even like, just, I'll even throw a ride like hyperspace mountain in Paris. The space mountain in Paris is the best space mountain by a ton. It is way, there's actually an inversion. There's some storytelling elements to it. You get fired in a cannon. It's not like the, the space mountain, you know, which is, you know, whoops, which is just my microphone fell over, <laughs> which is just. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, you know, the Matterhorn <laughs> inside, yeah, <laughs> in the dark, you know what I mean? So, you know, hey, uh, there's there was a ton of goodies. You, you hate to not mention Expedition Everest, even with all its flaws and like, you know, disco yetis. It's it's incredible. And and obviously Runaway Railway is also, again, all the goodies are, t are trackless uh, because they're able to find ways to have a trackless ride. But the vehicle looks different, so it feels like a different experience every time. You're on a train car. You're on a Star Wars carrier. You're on a a teacup, a honeypot, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it still delivers. You're a rat. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different experience, even though the technology, identical. Yeah. So um, – yeah, man. I didn't uh, say it was going to be easy. I didn't say it was going <laughs> to, I didn't say it was going to be without controversy, but mm -hmm. I did say that it was going to be definitive. And my friend, that was as definitive as definitive gets. 
if you want to at Bondo, Bondo, please tell them one more time, my friend, where they can blow you up, but also where they can follow you guys, where they can once again download you guys. Again, I'm, I'm telling you this. I'm a fan. You guys are killing it. You have one of my favorite audio podcasts. I love the vibe. I love the energy. I love the comedy that you guys bring. Where can my people find you? Where can the Dislifers find you? There's some kind words there, Mark. Thank you very much. Um, where can you find us? Oh, you know, I, I, where do you get your podcasts? You find us there. Um, if you're having a hard time finding us, uh, we like themeparks.com. Uh, we'll take you wherever you need to be. Uh, we got all our episodes on there and some of our, um, again, we're on the, we're doing the videos, uh, YouTube shows now. So we've got about maybe 10 of those in the bank, 12. I don't know. I don't count them, but they're there. You can check them out. Uh, but yeah, do jump in and, and jump in on the fun, do all the things, you know, the likes and subscribe. Why not? Yeah. Uh, but it is a fun time and, uh, we're, we're on our third season now. We hardly take breaks. So there's a ton of content and, uh, it's just a lot of Disney sillies, a lot of fun stuff, make them ups. But, you know, listen, we, we know our stuff. Come on, I just gave you that list. That sounded pretty smart. Absolutely. List. And, you know, I think I eloquently told you why I liked all these things. You know, I didn't joke about it. It was serious. It was a serious job. It was very serious. <laughs> and from the uh, bottom of my heart, in <laughs> all seriousness, thank you for facilitating and help facilitate a lifelong dream of mine to be Muppetized <laughs> over on your Instagram. Right. I, I was turned into a Muppet. And it was one of the greatest things that I could say happened to me in my entire life. So thank you to Dude, the crew. You made it. Yeah. You've made it. Mark, now you know you've made it. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. You want to check us out on Instagram at We Like Theme Parks. But if you want to see uh, Mark the Puppet, it's at We Like Theme Parks, the puppets. Yes, that's a thing. <laughs> we had a fan become such a fan that he started making puppet uh episodes of our episodes. And you can see them. And so when Mark was on our show. Next week, he was a Muppet. That's how it works. And that's Mark Rosie Rosales over at We Like Theme Parks Puppets. He's awesome. And uh, I was so happy that you were enshrined and immortalized in the We Like Theme Parks Puppets, uh, you know, Hall of, of Fame. So it was fantastic that you made it. And talking Tron, nonetheless. <laughs> okay. That's how we do, baby. Dude, for thank you again. Thank you to Bondo. Again, don't forget, subscribe to them over there. Dude, this was a lot of fun. Bondo and I are going to, we're going to book a sequel and we're going to do a deep dive. We're doing a Disney vault discussion on Tron and Tron legacy. He will be back. We're going to try to get this crew back one more time again and assemble them. But again, man, thank you so much for uh, doing this on short notice for coming out and for, uh, for being a part of this show. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much to everybody who makes this show a part of your Disney life. And as we say every single week, we hope the rest of your day and week is filled with faith, trust, and pixie dust. We'll see you real soon. Bye, everybody. This Diz Life podcast is brought to you by the Happiness is Addictive Collection. Happiness is Addictive is passionate about spreading laughter and creating smiles worldwide. They love bringing their global community together through optimism, cheer, hopefulness, merriment, and celebrating life's magical moments. 
They know how important it is to celebrate life's adventures, and their apparel will give you everlasting, one-of-a-kind memories through pixie-dusted family photos, compliments from park guests, and magical moments with cast members. They pride themselves on high-quality, custom-made apparel at competitive prices with world-class service. Let them help you create a lifetime of memories, whether you're Disney-bounding, kicking it poolside, participating in run Disney marathons, having costumed adventures, or just living your best Disney life. You can find their Happiness is Addictive shop on Etsy. You can also find them on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Pinterest. They are proud to be featured in Indie Central Florida, the Thoughtful Gift Club, and now here on DizLife Podcast. Their collection was founded by a 15-year former cast member who knows how to enhance your magical moments for a lifetime of memories with your family. Don't forget to use promo code DISLIFE15 to take an extra 15% off. What are you waiting for? Head over to Etsy and start getting happy today. Follow the link in our show notes and you'll find out for yourself that happiness is addictive.